The Word of God. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We have been entitled this uh, series through the Gospel of Luke, The Footsteps of Jesus. And we've been following our Lord. We've saw him going down and get baptized. We saw him in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And now in Luke chapter 5, we're going to see him displaying his authority over three different areas of life. Jesus performs three miracles in this passage of Scripture. I know it's a long passage. We're not going to read it all, but I, I want to look at these three different miracles of the Lord Jesus that can teach us some powerful lessons. So follow as I read Luke chapter 5. We're going to read starting out verses 12 through 16. The first miracle Jesus does is he cleanses a leper. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as the testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went round concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Father, thank you for your word. And, and today, Lord, we want to follow our Lord Jesus. We want to follow you as, he, as you heal these three people. And I pray that, Lord, we will learn some wonderful lessons and, and feel the touch of the Lord on our life as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first miracle that Jesus performs as he goes into this certain city, and it's healing a leper. And in this healing, we see Jesus having authority over sickness. What would you think would be the number one cause of death in the United States? Would it be old age? No, it's not. It's actually heart disease is what they say. What would you think would be the most feared disease by most of the people in the United States According to data, it is Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I wouldn't want that. What is the most dreaded diagnosis one could receive? Cancer. People are afraid of getting that diagnosis. The word cancer brings with it the idea of pain, suffering, and then the treatments that go with it. But in Jesus' day, it wasn't the C word, it was the L word. Leprosy was the most dreaded disease among the people back in Jesus' day. The word leprosy was not the kind of leprosy that, that is around today. This was a skin disease. It was incurable in that day except from a miracle of God. And the Bible even gives instructions and regulations to those who had leprosy. The one who had leprosy had to wear torn clothes. He must wear nothing on his head. 
he must put a covering over his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, when someone got within 50 feet of uh, anyone. And if it was a windy day, you had to cry unclean if they were 200 feet downwind from you. And you had to live alone, all by yourself or with other lepers in a leper colony. There's nine cases of leprosy recorded in Scripture. And Jesus is showing his authority of the most dreaded disease known to man during that day. He's showing his power, his authority over that disease. I'd like for you to look at this man here in verse 12. Happened when he was in a certain city to behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. Notice the hopeless condition of this leper. He was breaking through any kind of protocols to approach someone. He was ostracized from society. People uh, did not get close to this individual. He was ceremonially unclean. He was contagious. He was bound by this disease. Now, we don't have leprosy today, but we have people that are bound with certain kinds of things that control their life. He was, his leprosy controlled everything that he did. And today, we have people that are bound with other things. Some people are bound with alcohol and drugs or bound with uh, the sin of gambling Pornography and homosexual sexuality, people are, are caught up into that. They're, they're chained to that. Adultery and fornication. Some people are bound by bitterness and anger and hatred that are just wrapping their lives. Their lives are controlled by these things. But notice the miraculous cleansing of the man. In verse 12, he saw Jesus. He, he fell on his face imploring Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He was a desperate because you were not supposed to. He could have gotten thrown out and, and even uh, punished somehow. But he knew that Jesus could heal, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and addressed the Lord, says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know what Jesus said? You know those three words Jesus said to this man are powerful. I am willing. You think of the things that are going wrong in your life and you wonder, what can I do? You come to the Lord because he is willing to help you. No one else can, but Jesus is willing. And Jesus, it says here, touched him. He touched the untouchable. I wonder how long it had been since anyone had touched that leper. Most folks ran away from him or threw rocks at him if he got too close. The word touch in this verse means to lay hold of. It would be like embracing someone or putting your arm around someone's shoulder. And Jesus was not afraid of this untouchable man. He approached him and he touched him and he healed him. You know, we don't have lepers walking around today, but we do have people that we would consider in our own thinking, those people are untouchable. I don't want to get close to them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to touch them. I just want to go on by. And you know, some people that are homeless, we do the same thing too. 
We don't want to talk to them. We just want to go on by. Sometimes people who are in prison, we want to avoid. People sometimes who are handicapped or disabled, we don't want to have anything to do with them. Some people who um, are in the LGBTQ plus community, we says, well, let them do their thing and we'll do our thing. We don't, have, we want, we don't want to share anything with the gospel with them. We just, we just kind of ignore them. We call them untouchables. And even atheists or um, people that don't have the same political view as us, we consider, well, we'll just go through life. We don't want to have anything to do with it. But you know what Jesus did? This man that no one wanted to have anything to do with, he touched him and he healed him. And notice the heartfelt confession of praise in verse 13. Then he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one. Go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. However, the report went out concerning him all the more. All the more. He praised the Lord. He went to the priest. You, you know, you think, why did Jesus ever tell this guy, don't tell anybody? <laughs> don't tell anybody. You would think that, well, Jesus would want this news to go everywhere. Actually, if the guy would tell, people would follow Jesus for the miracles rather than the message. It was true. Because he told many of the folks he healed not to tell anyone, and they told everyone anyway. And Jesus had to move away from the city where people could be reached in a desert place where there were fewer people. On other occasions, like when he fed the 5,000, the people wanted to make him king. But his mission was not to feed people or to heal people. His mission was to redeem them from their sin. However, the report did get out. You hear of bad news leaking out. Well, the good news leaked out. Reminds me of a story I read one time about uh, these gold miners that were in uh, Montana that were mining for gold, and they found this great big uh, rock, and it turned out to be a gold ore. And it was really the beginning of a rich vein of gold. And they immediately shouted, whoa, we found gold. And they began to shout it. And then the, his buddy said, oh, just keep quiet. We don't want anyone to hear us. As a matter of fact, they said, well, let's go into town and get some supplies so we can get out here and start working on this. And let's agree, no one tell anybody, right? No, no, I won't tell a soul. So they went into town and they shopped in the stores to get all the equipment that they needed. And then they began to go around and then finally lined up and ready to go out there. And there was hundreds of men behind him. He said, did you tell someone? No, I didn't tell. Did you tell someone? No. And the guy says, nobody told us we could read it in your face that you found gold. <laughs> I think that this leprous man, he wouldn't have had to tell anybody. He was just jumping up and shouting and, and just acting like in his face they could see that he was changed and they wanted to follow. Maybe that's what happened to the leper. They saw it on his face. Well, this first miracle shows that Jesus has authority over the most dreaded disease known to man in that day is leprosy. And I want to tell you, no matter what kind of sickness, no matter what kind of spiritual disease you have, the Lord has authority over all of that. No matter how, how tight the chains that bind you, that nobody can get you out of, the Lord Jesus has authority 
over that. That's the first miracle. Well, we're going to show you another miracle in verses 17 to 26 that shows Jesus' authority over sin. Let me read the passage, verse 17 to 26. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. But, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. What a powerful, I love this story. Don't you love that story? These, Jesus was in a house, and he was teaching, and he was also healing people. And the word got out to this man who was paralyzed. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to him, but uh, some Bible scholars think that he had had a stroke, was not able to, to walk. His, his body was just like this, and he was paralyzed for, for something that happened to him. And he had some friends. His friends got together. It's four friends. And the friend says, hey, hey, sir, buddy. I heard that Jesus is down at this one person's house and he's teaching and he's healing people. I think that if we get you to Jesus, he could heal your body. So the four guys got together and they, they probably had this stretcher, this bed that they could carry him, probably one on each pole that they were carrying this man to there. And they get to this house and it is packed full. It's like a Mark Trammell concert. You can't get anywhere. There's so many people there. And they couldn't get in the front door. So they went home. No, they didn't go home. They said, we got to get this guy to Jesus. The front door's blocked. Let's go around the back. There was no, nothing there. I know what we'll do. We'll climb up on the rooftop. And so I don't know how they did this, but imagine a guy on a stretcher and you're climbing these stairs and getting up there and they finally got up to the top of this roof and they had to do something. They had to tear up the house. It wasn't a hurricane that did it. It was these guys did it. I don't know if they had insurance or I don't know if they had to talk to the owner or anything of all those details, but they didn't worry about that. This guy needed healing and Jesus could do it. So they tore up the roof and they lowered him with ropes right down as Jesus was healing, as Jesus was teaching, right in front of him. Right in front of him. And Jesus saw the guy, saw those four guys up there. He says, wow, 
They got a lot of faith, don't they? You know? And then Jesus uses this. We look at these faithful friends. His friends cared enough for him that they found a way to bring him to Jesus. The man couldn't get there by himself. He was lame. He was paralyzed. But he had some friends who were stretcher bearers. Can you think in your life of individuals who brought you to Jesus? I'm thinking when I was 12 years old, back in my hometown of Clinton, Indiana, there was a guy that I didn't like very much. <laughs> His name was Doug. But Doug invited me to come to Awana because he was a church kid, and I wasn't a church kid. I probably went to church five times in my whole life up to then. And he invited me to Awana, and, and the Word of God began to get into my heart. And then I think of another lady by the name of Elsie, who was my Sunday school teacher, led me to Jesus. And then I think of another guy, a guy by, uh, that was in early when I was 19 years old who invited me to come to the film where my dedication to the Lord started. Who were your stretcher bearers? Maybe it was your mom or your dad. Maybe it was your grandparents that were instrumental in bringing you under the sound of the Word of God. Notice that these friends cared. They knew that Jesus could heal. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith was he referring to? Well, I'm sure it was the four guys who were up there at the roof. They believed that Jesus could heal, but also it was the faith of the person on the stretcher also. It wasn't exclusively just those. It was him. When he saw their faith, they believed in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. They brought him to Jesus. But you know, they met with opposition, but they kept at it. They found a way. In verse 19, the front door didn't work. <laughs> the front door didn't work, so they found another way. You know, I have learned that many people avoid the front door. They don't, it's hard to get people into church. You know, it really is. So what do we say? Well, if they won't come to church, forget about them. No, no. We are stretcher bearers, you know. We've got to think of ways that people can hear the word of God, even if they don't come through the front door. So we've got a lot of side doors, you know, a few, few accesses that, to get the people the gospel of Christ so that God can get to their heart. Our Friday night is a kind of a side door, concert ministry. A lot of people will come to that that they might not come through the front door. They'll come to, to the concert or they'll come to something else. They'll come over to your house for, for a barbecue and you can share your testimony with them. Or they might come to some place. We, and another side door ministry, we need to remember, and I think we were just baptized into this during COVID, you know, getting online. There's a lot of people that might not come to church, but they'll just click on the Facebook page and watch the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ can work in their hearts through, through that technology as well. And, and we need to be like stretcher bearers. Think of ways besides the front door to get people under the sound of the gospel. I think of the missionaries. I really love missionaries and I love to talk to them. I, I talked to Jim Spoto from uh, Italy and uh, Aviano, uh, Ab, it's an Italian word. It's uh, Avigliano, that's it. That's the town he lives in. He, he says, we have a bookstore. 
at our church. And people will come into the bookstore, we'll talk to them about the gospel, and, they'll, and they might come to church. And, and then he also gives away calendars at Christmas time. And there's so many different side door ministries. Well, we've seen these faithful friends, but let's look at the forgiven follower. Notice what Jesus says to this man. They just lowered him down, and he's right in front of him. And Jesus looks at him and said, your sins are forgiven you. And that blows up. The scribes and Pharisees are there, just curiosity and seeing who this new teacher is. And they say, blasphemy. Who are you to say that anybody's sins can be forgiven? And this man's sins were forgiven. Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew his faith. And the Lord forgave. This man's physical paralysis is really to us a picture of man's spiritual paralysis. For man without God has no strength of his own. In fact, his body will not respond to anything. There's no feeling whatsoever. The members of his body are still there, but they will not respond. Man without God is dead. There's no response to spiritual things. He may want to do the right things, but he doesn't have the ability to do so. He is like that paralyzed, hopeless man laying on the floor. You know, the Bible uses a number of images to describe the power of God to forgive sins. My friend, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's been a time in your life when you called upon the name of the Lord, you believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, the Lord declares over you, your sins are forgiven you. The Bible says in Isaiah 44, 22, I blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions and as a cloud your sins. The Bible also says in the book of Isaiah or Jeremiah 31, 24, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. How can Almighty God not remember anything? Let's put it this way. He chooses to forget all of our sins because we're in Christ. Isaiah 38, 17. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Micah 7, 19 says, God buries our sins in the depths of the sea. Imagine that. When we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, at that moment, all of our sins, God says, I've buried them in the depths of the sea. Someone told me that the deepest part of the, the sea is six miles down. Buried him. God, that's what he does. And also, in Psalm 103, God says, God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, my friend. If you're beating yourself up over your past sins, remember, God has forgiven them all. He doesn't choose to remember them. You are declared not guilty. And you are also declared righteous in the person of Jesus Christ because of your faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we are perfect after we accept Christ. We do sin. We continue to sin, but all of those sins in the past and in the present and in the future have been nailed to the cross and the debt has been paid. But what do we need to do? We need to confess our sins so that we can maintain our, our 
fellowship with Jesus. Our relationship is secure because our sins have been taken care of, but we want to stay close to our Lord. So when we sin, we ask him to forgive us. Oh God, cleanse my heart. Make me close to you. That is kind of spelled out in John chapter 13. You know, God forgives our sins. He clears the record. There's no time when you die and go to heaven is God going to display on the big screen, you know. All of the things that you've done so you can see them, he has declared you righteous in Christ. What a wonderful thing. But you know, look at the faithless crowd here. The Pharisees, of course, when Jesus says to this man, you, your sins are forgiven. They said, well, how can you do that? How can a man forgive sins? You are committing blasphemy. You are, you are assuming the role of God. And Jesus would probably say, yes, that's what I'm saying here. I can forgive your sins because I am God. Of course, that's the impact that we see behind the scene here. And when they asked him, how can you say that? Jesus says, well, I said that because I can say, rise up and walk. And the man just got up, carried his stretcher, that paralyzed body, that stroke, those hands came out again. His side, his leg, his arms were free and he was healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he leaped and he praised God and he took his bed home that's why I can say your sins are forgiven because I have the power to heal. I am who you think I am, the faithless crowd. They were so blind. They were picking on his statements just to trap him. Jesus healed the leper. He touched this untouchable man and made him walk and praise God and come back to society. He healed this paralytic and now there's a third healing. And this is on the Sabbath day, his authority over the Sabbath. We see this in verses, chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. Let me read this passage here. Chapter 6, verse 5 through 11. And he said that the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. He knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise, stand here. He rose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy and when he looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's look at the explanation of his authority. Now, the Old Testament had certain rules that would regulate the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was a day that was made for man's benefit. It was a day so that he could rest. Don't work. 
Don't go and, and do all these things. You need to, God was knowing that man needs a day of rest, a day of worship of the Lord. So that's what the Sabbath was. But these scribes and Pharisees, these ultra-righteous people, got together and created a book of laws called the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, they had 39 major headings of what a person could do and what they could not do on the Sabbath. They had taken God's gift as a day of rest for man and had perverted it into being hundreds and hundreds of rules and regulations. So instead of the Sabbath being a day that people look forward to, it became the most hated day and the most dreaded day of the week for the nation of Israel. Instead of being a blessing, the Sabbath had become a burden. Oh, the Sabbath's coming. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. As a matter of fact, there's certain of those laws uh, let me just read a few of those. One is you couldn't take a bath on the Sabbath because if you spilled and splashed water on the floor, you couldn't wash the floor on the Sabbath. So you couldn't do that. No one could eat anything larger than an olive on the Sabbath. False teeth could not be worn because they exceeded the weight limit. Anybody there? Okay. And this one, I, I couldn't believe it, but a woman could not look into a looking glass because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. You're working on the Sabbath day. These are the kind of rules, the rules that were there. And that's what Jesus and his disciples never violated the law of God. They violated man's rules that were there. And Jesus is just announcing, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one that created this day and you have twisted it and perverted it. We see an example of his authority here in these verses of scripture. But what about today? What about us? There's still some modern day Pharisees that still have their list of man-made laws, rights and wrong activity, rules, following rules, when actually following Christ is about a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. In these three miracles, we see the authority of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the last verses of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus announced, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus shows his authority in these miracles. He has authority of the things that bind us, the things that hold us down, the things that are keeping us from being all that God wants us to be. And he can break the chains of bondage. He has authority over those things. He has authority over our sins. Oh, my friend, you think you've done something that God could never forgive Oh, I want to tell you, we have a Savior that has broken the power of sin. Through his death on the cross, through his blood that was shed, he has the authority to forgive even the most vilest sin once and for all. When you cry out to faith in him, he washes them all away and you can stand forgiven because Jesus has said so. And he is Lord of the Sabbath. You think of the authority that God has over our lives. I think uh, I, I read this story about a preacher by the name of J. Wallace Hamilton. He was a famous preacher from the mid-20th century. He used to tell about this mother cat in New York City.
that had a baby kitten in her mouth, and she was trying unsuccessfully to get across a busy New York City intersection. She would meander timidly out into the traffic and then dart back to the curb when nearly hit by a passing car. A traffic policeman in the center of the intersection saw the, kit, the cat's plight and thrust up his hands in the middle of that traffic intersection with both ways stopping the traffic. And it was then that that mother cat came across without being hit, went down an alley, never thinking about it. She probably never realized that it was the power of the New York City Police Department that allowed her to get across. She it was clueless. She just got across the street. And I think of the things in our life that we get across and we have no idea, and it's the authority of Jesus in our life. Gets us out of one scrape, gets us through one trial, gets us past one tragedy because he has authority over our life. Will you submit to that authority, the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ because he is Lord of all? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that Jesus announced his authority. He is more powerful than sickness, sin, the Sabbath. He has power over the devil. He has power over every situation that comes our way. He is Lord. He is sovereign over our lives. Today, Father, we announce to you our allegiance. And thank you, O oh God. You take care of your children. Father, I pray if there's one here today that has never trusted Jesus as their Savior, or if there's one of your children that is struggling under all of the situation, oh God, please release them, set them free by the power of Jesus today. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Let's stand as we close our service today.